So Christmas is right around the corner. Are you ready? Have you been at Target with me late into the night, trying to take care of certain obligations? The interesting thing about Christmas is that as soon as it's done, as soon as the whole uh, holiday theme, as soon as the day after Christmas, then all the red goes away and it's replaced by yellow. Year of the end of the year sales, <laughs> closeouts. And just as soon as the 26th comes around, all those Christmas jingles and all that Christmas music gets taken over by the top 10 of this and the top 10 of that and the year end playlist and the year end that. So, what was this year like for you? What one word would you use to describe this past year, 2011? What about the world in general? The world in which we live in, the culture that we are part of. How would you describe the year in the U.S., 2011? I have one word for you. Scandalous. That's right. It's been a year full of scandals. Maybe you've forgotten already, but I'll remind you. In just the last couple of weeks, Republican presidential hopeful, or shall I say former hopeful, Herman Cain, was forced to abandon his campaign because of an alleged affair scandal. Earlier in the year, International Monetary Fund President Dominique Strauss-Kahn was also forced to resign due to some allegations about inappropriate behavior in a hotel room while he was in New York. Scandal. Former Prime Minister of Italy, Silvio Berlusconi, was also forced to resign because of accusations and criminal investigations into abuse of power, bribery, embezzlement, among other scandalous activities. Here in the U.S., we had Joe Paterno, Division I football coach from Penn State, after over 50 years of honorable service, just fired due to a sex abuse scandal under his watch at the university. Just this past week, clean-cut uh, Ryan Braun, National League Most Valuable Player, is mired in a steroid use scandal. Seems like it's hit everyone and everything. Even Justin Bieber was accused of illegitimately fa fathering a child. You, you, you don't know Justin Bieber? <laughs> Bieber fever? You don't? You? But one that may have slipped your memory, but I thought was a doozy. Earlier this year, in the spring of 2011, May, it was announced that our governor and his first lady, or shall I say former governor, were separating. Shortly thereafter, we found out that over 10 years ago, the governor had fathered a child with a woman who worked at his house, Mildred Bayana, 10 years. Scandalous. Everywhere you look, every page you turn, every channel you watch, scandalous. There seems like there's scandals everywhere. Even uh, entire news outlets, channels are, are, have been created to follow the scandals of celebrities, politicians, and other important people. Scandalous. And we look and we shake our heads. But that's an interesting word. 
scandalous. Let's check out one more scandal for this year, shall we? Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. The book of Matthew, chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's probably one in the pew right in front of you, and you can pop that out. We want you to follow along to read the words for yourself so you can verify what we're saying. The book of Matthew, chapter 1, we're in the New Testament, very first book, one of the four Gospels. Matthew, chapter 1, begins to tell us the greatest story ever told, and we will pick up the story in verse 18. Chapter 1, verse 18, follow along. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. The Bible says, beginning of the Gospels, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came along. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. It's a familiar story. You know it. You tell it. I've been driving around town this week, and uh, some of my neighbors um, are really... um, have really elaborate displays uh, of, uh, you know, Christmas. Yes, Santa Claus, there's reindeer. But in my neighborhood, there's this gigantic nativity scene. Uh, I watched them put it together. It's fabulous. It's huge. It covers the whole front yard. Uh, it, yeah, Dr. Bruce knows what I'm talking about. It covers the whole front yard. It's got lights. And it's got these life-size, well, it almost look like life-size figures. And so you know the story about Mary and Joseph. We talked about it last week. You know the story. Your kids have been living out the plays at school, perhaps. Uh, or maybe you're reading it at home, but the Bible says that this is how it became. This is how it came about. <clears throat> His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, that's another expression of saying before they were, uh, uh, you know, went on their honeymoon or consummated their marriage, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. You read the story. You said yes, that's right. So what of it? The Bible says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, you probably have heard the story, read the story, had it read to you, but maybe you weren't paying attention to that particular verse, so I want to call your attention to it. This is the story of Jesus. A young girl, a teenage girl, quite possibly 12 and a half, maybe 13 years old, was engaged to be married to Joseph. We don't know that much about him. To be honest, the first part of the book of Matthew there in chapter 1 traces his lineage. But I don't think he was aware of his lineage necessarily. He was just a blue-collar worker. Theologians debate as to his uh, specific claim to fame, but essentially we know that he was a carpenter and that he was possibly a widower. By the time we find him in the story... We find that he is engaged to be married to this young lady. That's just the way it worked in their society and in their culture. He was a widower. The gospel tells us that he possibly had other children before. But now, needing to find somebody to complete the family, he was engaged to be married to this young lady, Mary. And as was their custom, the couple were usually engaged and there was a one-year waiting period before the actual marriage. During that one-year engagement period, they were considered betrothed or engaged and essentially married. So even before the actual wedding ceremony and before the consummation of the marriage, they were already legally bound. They were already legally obligated to maintain fidelity. And the Bible tells us here, 
That before they came together, before they had their wedding ceremony and the honeymoon afterwards and all that stuff, that she was found to be with child. See, it's one thing when you find out that you're expecting. Last week we studied the story of Mary and how uh, 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 the announcement was made to her. The angel came and said, you will be with child. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have a baby. And we discussed how God had taken a tremendous risk in entrusting this, this, this gift, this, this, this son, into the hands of a teenage mother. But it's a different story to hear the announcement this way, that someone was found to be with child. It's a different, it's a different way of reading the story because in a way, it's a negative picture. See, the Bible doesn't describe this as Joseph finding out that he's going to be a father. The Bible describes that he found out that the woman he was pledged to marry was already pregnant. Found to be with child. Found to be with child. As if a secret had been found out. As if a scandal was about to break out. As if TMZ was hanging around Mary's house and they got wind of it. As if the British tabloids had hacked into her cell phone and found that she was texting her cousin Elizabeth and saying, never going to guess what happened. I'm late. And somehow word got around in the spread and Joseph found out that she was pregnant. This is how we find the man. This is how we meet him. That's the first thing we know about Joseph. The very first thing is that he finds out his fiance is carrying a baby. And the way the Bible describes it, and of course people can disagree, but the way the Bible describes it, it makes it clear that Joseph knew he wasn't a daddy. Now consider for just a moment, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but consider for just a moment, if you find yourself in his position, men, men of the congregation, I'm talking to you. Let's say you were engaged, and by the way, their engagement has lasted a year at least. Some of us got married kind of quick, right? Didn't want to wait, but they had to wait a full year before they could go from engagement to being married. And during that time, certain things were going to take place. She was still living with her family. You were supposed to get your affairs in order, prepare the house, and do all that good stuff. But also, make sure of your commitment. The Bible tells us that during your engagement, we're on the street. You find out rumor mill, you break open the tabloid papers, and there it is. She's carrying a baby by somebody other than you. How would you feel about that? How would you respond? How would you react? What kind of emotions and thoughts would go through your head as as you're trying to deal with the situation? The Bible says that when... Uh, Joseph found that she was with child, and it includes this here, the Holy Spirit. And, and I know that maybe you're a good Adventist, you're a good Christian, and you've read the story and said, oh yeah, this is great, this is how the nativity scene works, and she was found with the Holy Spirit, so that makes it all okay. But, but let me just remind you that prior to the first chapter of Matthew, we have a gigantic gap in time where the Holy Spirit has been silent, and when the people... Even the Israelites, the Jews, the descendants of the Israelites, have not really interacted with God directly. 
So for us to simply say, oh yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah, but that's by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that easy. It wasn't that simple. It wasn't like the Holy Spirit was going around giving babies out. (laughs) Or anything else for that matter. It wasn't like the Holy Spirit was actually around before this event. You see, in the Old Testament, we know about the Holy Spirit, but we don't actually meet Him this directly. We hear about God specifically and Him interacting with the Israelites, almost face-to-face with with, with Moses, obviously in the the garden, and and through significant signs and, and, and with His own words to the messengers. We hear about Jesus, the coming Messiah, in the book of Isaiah, and other prophecies all the way back to Genesis. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we don't actually meet like this. And here, the Bible, in its very first chapter of the New Testament, says, yes, this young girl was pregnant before her marriage by the Holy Spirit. That's how the Holy Spirit enters the scene. And don't you find that just a little bit scandalous? Don't you find that just a little bit strange? That the very first thing the Holy Spirit seems to do is, well, in the New Testament, but in the Bible as a direct act, is that He blessed us with child, a teenage girl. I don't know about you, but that sounds scandalous to me. And it sounded scandalous to Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph found out, and because he was a righteous man, calls him a husband, because like I told you, they were already engaged, which means under their culture and their legal system, they were already essentially married, even though they hadn't actually gone through the wedding ceremony and, and the honeymoon, etc. But because he was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, read there, he did not want to cause a public scandal. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Jewish culture and Jewish rules made it possible and and gave outs for men especially to find different reasons to dissolve the marriage. To uh, uh, create the dissolution of assets and marriage, but mostly he kept all the assets, so I shouldn't say uh, it's anything akin to what you're accustomed to. And the Bible tells us that Joseph had a legal right, essentially, and in fact, it describes him as a righteous man, a person who was going to do the right thing. He was an upstanding citizen. He was a man who the Bible sort of describes as someone who, have, who have had an impeccable record up until this point. He was a father, a provider. He had been a widower, and he was now following the, the, the cultural norms, the legal norms, and preparing to be married again. But when he got wind that his young fiance was pregnant, he decided that the right thing to do would be to divorce her. We know that in the laws of Moses, and again, included in the New Testament, God provides an out, if you will, for a marriage in which one partner has been unfaithful. Infidelity is uh, uh, legal grounds for divorce. And when Joseph finds out that she was, in his mind, unfaithful, obviously she's carrying a baby. 
and it's not his, that he would divorce her quietly. The Bible puts that in there because he wants, he wants us to understand the nature of his decision, of his thinking. He had every right to actually divorce her publicly and to wash his hands of this person because this was a scandal. A young girl who couldn't wait until her wedding day had gotten pregnant ahead of time. And Joseph could have, as was his right, to call upon the laws of Moses and punish her. You know what the punishment was for infidelity, especially by a woman? Death by stoning. Joseph, to absolve himself from any, 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 any dealings with this mess, he could have called the, uh, uh, the Pharisees and the leaders and would have said, look, she's pregnant, it wasn't me. And he could have had her stoned so that everyone would know that Joseph was an upstanding citizen and that he would not stand for this kind of stuff. And that's the way the Bible describes him. Because he was a righteous man. He had a mind to divorce her. But he says quietly. Because when Joseph began to think and began to try to process what was happening, this wasn't the way it was supposed to work out. This was not according to plan. Nothing was going according to the plan. In fact, when he had married the first time and had kissed, he thought that was going to last forever. But alas, he found himself alone and, and looking for a mom, for his children. And he thought he found the right person. Do you know what that feels like? Think you know someone? You know? Think you've spent enough time with somebody to, to make you know, certain judgments about who they are and what kind of person they are. Joseph thought he had found the right girl and that this was going to work out, but suddenly he gets wind of this. The Bible doesn't tell us that Mary called him or talked to him, invited him to lunch and said, listen, I got to tell you something. The Bible tells us that he found out. And he also throws that in by the Holy Spirit. But I'm not sure if that was part of the story. I'm not even sure if he would have believed it. Would you? Would you believe it? If your fiancé said, listen, I'm pregnant, but it was the Holy Spirit, I promise. Would you? It's confusing. Joseph was confused. But as he processed, as he thought about it, and he said, you know, I really do care for this young lady. This was not part of the plan. And yes, I have every right to have her stoned or to, to, to publicly disgrace her. But she's just a girl. So I'm going to do it quietly. I'm just going to file the paperwork. I'm not going to make a fuss. I'm not going to drag it out and make it public. I'm just going to, we're just going to handle this behind closed doors on the DL. For her sake. The Bible gives us a hint into this man because he was righteous, but he also was merciful. And in this story, it seems like these two things are battling and mercy's winning out. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly, the Bible says. But after, verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
as Joseph was contending with what to do, how to resolve the situation, as he was trying to deal with this probably by himself in his own mind, because that's how we men handle things. We don't, we don't talk about it. We just, it happens on the inside. As we were processing and, 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 and wrestling with what to do, how to handle this, what things were going to look, he had made up his mind. He had resolved that he had to do the right thing. He had to divorce her because that was the right thing to do. But he didn't want to publicly disgrace her. But it was the right thing to do. And as he was processing this, the Bible tells us that he had a dream. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in his dream. Unless you think this was common occurrence, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was almost as uncommon as it would be for us today. Imagine if I showed up today and said, An angel of the Lord appeared to me last night in my dreams. You would say, In your dreams. And the Bible tells us that the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. It knew and understood that Joseph was scared. Not just about the consequences for her, but about the consequences for him. What if he, in fact, went through? What if he, in fact, did not divorce her and kept her as his wife? A baby would come soon and it would not be his own. Imagine the challenges. I'm sure some of you can understand because you've been in that position or you understand or maybe you've been on the receiving end of parenting from somebody who is not actually your mom or your dad. And you understand the challenges, the significant sacrifices, the conflicts. And Joseph is trying to process this and he is scared. And the Holy Spirit, through the angel, says, Don't be afraid. Take her home as your wife. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. See, I began to think about this and put myself in his shoes, and, and, and I don't know, honestly, I don't know if I could go through with it. Because like, like you, I am often concerned about what other people are going to say, or going to think. And how they perceive me and what they say about me. I try not to think about it. I mean, you know, but it's hard, isn't it? Especially when other people are so vocal with their opinions. And, and, and if you've had, you know, a, a lifetime of trying to keep up your reputation and do things the right way, but suddenly you're thrown into this situation, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He did nothing wrong, but suddenly he's been asked, to participate in a scandalous affair. Marrying a young girl impregnated by somebody else. And, 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 and lest you misunderstand this, the fact that it was the Holy Spirit did not lessen the stigma for the young girl. Because like I said, nobody had seen or heard from the Holy Spirit. Ever. So imagine that. At Christmas parties. Imagine that. Oh yeah, we're expecting. Oh really? Yeah, but I'm not the dad. It's the Holy Spirit. I know he kind of doesn't look like me because the Holy Spirit's his dad. It sounds ridiculous, right? It would have been just as ridiculous for him to say it. But the angel comes in a dream and says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And he will be 
the Savior. You call him Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. See, every good Jewish person, including Joseph, had heard those phrases before. Had heard promises, promises and promises about somebody that God would send, a Messiah, who would come to save their people. Every single boy in his culture had learned the verses, had memorized the stories, believed in the promise, and to this day in the Jewish culture, they're waiting for him to arrive. And here, in a dream, Joseph hears that this child in the womb of his fiancée, not his, but in the womb of his fiancée, would be that boy. And that suddenly, the Holy Spirit was asking him not to be scared, but to be a father figure, to be a dad. The Bible says that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Virgin will be with child, so give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Joseph woke up, the Bible says. And then Joseph woke up. Now, I don't know about you or what it feels like to you to wake up from a dream, especially a bad dream. Do you go like, are you like, ah, you know, has that ever happened to you when... It happens to me all the time, usually on Friday nights right before church. I'm, I'm nervous and I have all these bad dreams about church and stuff like that. And I wake up, oh, oh, but wait, I still have to go. But when you wake up from a dream of things you did not expect, things that you were not planning to, it's a, it's, it's a feeling of relief. Except that when he woke up from his dream, he was still engaged to the pregnant teenage girl. You know what he could have said right there? Oh, man, I must have had some bad falafel last night. That was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, go divorce her quietly because that's what my right mind tells me to do. In fact, no one is going to blame me for divorcing her. In fact, I'm, I, I'm going out of my way to do it nice and quietly. Who could blame me for that? And you're right. If that had been the story, we couldn't say anything to Joseph or about Joseph. His, his character would have been still impeccable. He did the right thing, followed the rules, did everything that was expected of him, and then some. But when he woke up, this man, this man decided that he too would be scandalous. The Bible says that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. See, we have this painted picture of the, of the nativity scene that's not here, but you know what I'm talking about. There's Joseph leaning over his, you know, his thing and the, the baby there or Joseph leading the donkey like a good, dutiful husband and a father. But trust me, it wasn't that rosy. It couldn't have been. It could not have been rosy for this man to go against the entire community's public perception of what was right to do and take this pregnant teenager to be his wife. Yes, he could have said, well, listen, the angel of the Lord told me that this was going to be Messiah, but everyone in church would have said, yeah, we've heard that. We've been hearing about the Messiah for thousands of years. And what makes you think that you, a widower, marrying a Teenage pregnant girl is going to have the Messiah. Seriously, Joseph. Do you know who you are? 
Have you forgotten where you come from? Well, I do have the lineage of David. Yeah, so does everybody else in town. Trust me, it was not that easy or that simple. But this is the interesting thing, see? When the Holy Spirit shows up, He's always going to ask you to do something dangerous. When the Holy Spirit shows up, it is not His intent to play things according to the status quo. When the Holy Spirit shows up, He does not intend to favor those who the world sees as worthy. It's not how He looks at us. When the Holy Spirit shows up, He is not looking for the right candidate. When the Holy Spirit shows up, He's going to challenge us to do something that everyone else might think as scandalous. But for God's purposes to take place, you and I have to do as we are commanded. The angel of the Lord appeared to Mary. Mary said, why? Why me? It's not possible. The angel of the Lord said, with God, everything is possible. Nothing is impossible. Joseph said, but I didn't even ask for this. And the Holy Spirit says, don't be afraid. For God has a plan. And the Holy Spirit is here to to, to help it carry out. But you have a role to play. And you must not be afraid to follow the commandments. For this little child will save his people from their sins. But he cannot do that, listen carefully, unless you Play your part. Do you think Mary could have raised Jesus by herself? A teenaged mom, single mother? Yeah, of course, she's a woman. She had the capability, but not in their culture. Do you think the story that we read about Jesus and everything that had to be fulfilled would have played out without Joseph in it? No, we don't know that much about him. You only have a... a, A little bit here. But do you know that God entrusted the manhood of Jesus on the shoulders of Joseph? Think about that for a second. Do you know that Jesus learned how to be a man? How to shave? Well, no, I guess he didn't shave. How to be a man from the hands and the heart of Joseph? And in this moment, it's up to him to take his place in the story of humankind, in the most significant chapter, by participating in something that the rest of his family would consider scandalous, that the rest of his church would consider, ay Dios mío, (laughs) that the rest of his culture and civilization would have scoffed at as undignified and unworthy and would not have understood But Joseph has been commanded by God, and he decides to obey. See, what does this have to do with you and me? Uh, It's actually rather simple. That same Holy Spirit, Jesus promised to send to you and to me. That same Holy Spirit, 
Jesus said, would be in his church. That same Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus promises would be active in your life 24-7. He will be with you always, he says, to the end of time, convicting you of right and wrong, telling you what God wants you to do. Pastor, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Should I do this? Should I do that? What should I do? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, speaks to your mind, speaks to your soul and convicts you. And there are times and there will be times that the Holy Spirit will ask you in particular and ask us as a church to do something that everyone else will think is wrong. Maybe even scandalous. But if we are going to serve that God, we've got to obey. That's the difference. That's the difference between the power of God being unleashed upon his his people. If, If there are those of us who would be obedient. And notice that Joseph decides to obey even though he thought the right thing to do was something else. I don't think you and I have ever captured that. See, what you and I reason to be right is not necessarily what God thinks. What you and I consider to be the right thing to do is not necessarily the way God operates. And you and I have to be challenged by what God says, not what I have figured out. We have to be challenged by whom God says, not who I believe in. We have to be challenged by the word of God, not my own reasoning power. Not my own cultural conclusions. Not my own upbringing, but the kingdom principles of God. Because He is calling us to be faithful and obedient. That same spirit to this God, the saving God. The one who would forego everything in eternity and come down here and be humiliated as the illegitimate child of a teenage girl in order to save your life. I don't think you understand that. And I don't think that we as a church have understood that it is in his footsteps that we are called to follow. It's not like Jesus is the only one who was supposed to risk things or Joseph or Mary and you and I are just supposed to sit back and enjoy the benefits of being part of the club. That's not what the nativity story is about. It's about self-sacrifice. It's about a Jesus who in light of all the universe would say, I know you guys don't think this is worthy. I know you, you don't think they deserve me coming down, but I will. I will compact all of who I am and all my power, and put myself into the hands of a teenage girl and a widowed father, a blue-collar worker. And I will live meagerly because I want you to understand how much I love these people. And ever since then, he has said, as I have loved you, now you go and love other people. Scandalous. Scandalous it is. But unless you're taking that risk, then this is just a story. It's just a fable. It's just trees, lights, but nothing else. But if you want to be, if you want to follow, if you want to be in the lineage, if you want to follow, then we have to obey.
If the Holy Spirit says go, we go. If the Holy Spirit says don't be afraid, we charge on. If the Holy Spirit says even though nobody else will understand, you do it, we do it. For we are called to serve Him and not ourselves. We are called to obey Him and not ourselves. What about you this Christmas season? What about you? What's your story going to be? You're going to play it safe, hide in the shadows, warm the pews? Or maybe, just maybe, at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, maybe be a little scandalous. 